Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. If you have a Bible or a device or a tablet or a phone or whatever, meet me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1151 in that Bible. And it's good to be back in this pulpit with you guys. It's been just the way things worked out with summer holidays and guest speakers and ministry expo and and all good stuff. But it's been about six weeks since I've shared and uh, you get antsy after a while and just ready to jump back in with you. And we're excited as we uh, are starting a new series today that's going to take us through the fall that we've called Gifted, Walking in What We've Been Given. And as we are discerning uh, and deciding what teaching series we should be doing at Meadowbrook, Mesh and I will discuss things and pray about things and talk about things. And uh, at the same time, sometimes when we're doing congregational surveys, we'll throw in a question of, well, what do you guys want some teaching on? Is there anything that's uh, missing or anything you'd like to go deeper in? And the two main things that would come up all the time in those surveys was we want more teaching on spiritual warfare and we want more teaching on spiritual gifts. And so last fall we did a warfare series uh, that's online if you missed it. And this fall we're going to dive into the gifts, walking in what we've been given. Uh, figuring out how God has wired us in order to glorify him and in order to bless other people. And every person in this room has a gift. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a gift. Everyone in this room who's a follower of Jesus has been gifted by God in order to do something. And we're going to dig into that this fall. We have a study guide that we've put together to go with this series. So these are available for $5 at the Hub. And they are there to take you deeper in the teaching. The Sunday morning teaching uh, will get the ball rolling, but the guides are there to help take you deeper, to help apply it to your life in a more practical way. Several of the life groups this fall are going to be going through it as their curriculum. And the idea is just to take all of the scripture and things that we're going to go through on a Sunday morning and then make it really practical and down-to-earth and applicable in real life. And so encourage you to grab a hold of that and greatly encourage you to jump into a life group and take some time to do this. So we want this fall for you to know more about how God has made you and how he has anointed you, and how he wants to partner with you in the gifts that he has given. And so we'll take time to go through all the different gifts as we go through the fall. And as we get going, I want to show you a short clip. This is from a show. Uh, It shows every summer on NBC called America's Got Talent. Some of you have probably seen it. People bring their gifts to the stage, and sometimes there are lack of gifts to the stage, uh, because that makes for really good television. So uh, someone put together just a short clip, some of the best uh, giftings from this past season, some of the worst and weirdest as well. So take a look. So there are gifts, and then there are not so much gifts, right? And, and there are gifts that we have, and there are gifts that we just don't. And part of our heart for this series is that if you don't have any idea what your spiritual gifts are, you're going to find that out this fall. That is what we are continually praying for. If you do have a sense of what your gifts are, that you'll go deeper in your gifts. You'll be able to go deeper in your understanding and how God uses you in this way. And then as well, just because you might have a sense of what your gifts are, that doesn't mean that there are aren't more gifts available for you too. We don't ever want to feel like we've just arrived when it comes to our faith life, that God may have new things he wants to develop in you as well. 
So we are all given gifts by God. There are things that he has given us. And we're going to go through the gifts throughout the next number of weeks and take a look at what the Bible has to say about them. But the verse we're going to keep coming back to is from 1 John 2.20. And in 1 John chapter 2, John is writing about this is a, a rough world we're living in. There is evil out there. The enemy is out there. There's powers that are lined up against the people of God. But in this dark place, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have a way in which the Holy Spirit has anointed and equipped you to be a blessing to this dark world, to glorify the name of Jesus, to help spread the gospel, and to build up and encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. You have an anointing from the Holy One. There is a gift of God that he has given to you. And I think just experientially, most of us have a few gifts that we're going to go through in this series. And as we use our gifts, these spiritual gifts, just by the definition of them, as we step out into a spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit is with us in that moment. The Holy Spirit is moving in us and moving through us in the, the using, in the expressing of our gifts. And so these gifts become a place where we meet with God. They become a place where we feel close to him. There's a place where we encounter his presence, where we feel alive, where we feel stirred up. It's so important for us to know who we are made to be and the gifts that he has given. And even to take it a step forward, I really believe we can't find the fullness of our spiritual life and the fullness of joy in him until we learn something about how he's wired us and start living out of that. He has not designed you to sit and be a spectator in the Christian faith. The Christian faith isn't like that. It is an active faith. There are things for us to do. And our job is not to take what he's given us and hide it under a bushel, but to be faithful to step out and faithful to steward whatever, he, whatever it is that he has put into your life. A.W. Tozer was a pastor and theologian. He says this, A revival of true New Testament Christianity must surely bring with it a manifestation of spiritual gifts. Anything short of it will create a just suspicion that the revival is something short of scriptural. And A.W. Tozer was rock solid in the word, and he's saying if this Christianity is going to be real, spiritual gifts have to be a part of it. Because we see the life of Jesus, and we read the book of Acts, and those who followed after Jesus had these spiritual gifts working. They were operating. And then the, the apostles would teach on them throughout the rest of the New Testament. So if we're going to have a biblical living out of the Christian life, spiritual gifts are going to be a part of it. It's an expectation in Scripture that God would be working in us through these things. So let's take a look at our text today. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, page 1151 in the Pew Bible, and we're starting in verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And we're going to stop there. From there, Paul starts listing gifts, and we're going to look at that list of gifts in a later sermon. 
But this is just kind of the kickoff day, obviously. It's the first day of the series, and so we're just kind of laying the foundation. In weeks to come, we're going to dig into specific gifts and what they do. Uh, but this is just kind of a bit of an overview. And as we jump into this, we want to acknowledge right off the bat, uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic tradition where the spiritual gifts are widely used and accepted, uh, and it's a normal part of church life. Not all streams of the church operate in the gifts in that same way, and not all streams of the church actually even believe that the spiritual gifts are still around. There are big blocks of Christianity who believe that the spiritual gifts ended uh, with the age of the apostles and that they're not around anymore. And so if you grew up in certain Baptist traditions, certain Reformed traditions, that might have been what you were taught growing up. And so we wanted to take a few minutes just to dive into why we believe these gifts are still around. For those who believe the gifts are done, uh, it's called cessationism. That's a fancy word uh, from the word cease. They believe the gifts have ceased. They cease to exist. They are not around anymore. And we certainly don't pass any judgment. We're not starting a war over this theologically. This is what we call a disputable matter where loving Christians can come to different conclusions on God's word. We don't start fights or division. We don't have to break fellowship over it. We can lovingly agree agree to disagree as followers of Jesus on certain matters where the Bible is not necessarily crystal clear. And so the other day, Kaylee and I were talking about something, and I said, oh, we're going to do this thing on Thursday. And she said, no, Daddy, we're going to do that on Wednesday. And I said, no, Hutton, we're going to do it on Thursday. And she said, Daddy, you're wrong. And I said, I'm pretty sure the adult is right in this particular situation. And I went and I got my phone, getting ready to show her how right I was, and I was wrong. I was completely wrong. She was right. And I just say that to say, when you're in a family and you love one another, you can disagree about little things, and somebody can be wrong, and it's not the end of the world. We wrestle through these theological things as a church family. We love our brothers and sisters who are cessationists. I think they're wrong, and I'll point out to you why I think they're wrong. But we love them, and we're not looking down on anybody, and we would hope that they would extend the same courtesy to us. So there's a few verses that get pointed to by people who believe that the gifts are done with. And the main one that we'll look at is from 1 Corinthians 13. So just a few verses later from what we just read, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love passage. It's the wedding passage, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love never fails. Uh, and so there's an unpacking of love. And then in the middle there, we always read this part at a wedding too, which doesn't usually make a lot of sense. But 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12 says, Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. So Paul has been talking about spiritual gifts, including prophecy, including the gift of tongues, including knowledge. Those gifts will pass away. And so Paul's saying the gifts aren't going to be around forever. The gifts will not always be in existence. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So for those who believe the gifts are gone, they, they hang their hat primarily on this verse. This is the main passage, and there's a couple of other minor ones they would point to. But prophecies will cease. Tongues will stop. Knowledge will pass away. These gifts will not be around forever. And a lot of it hinges on the next line. We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. So the gifts are here to show us something temporarily, but when completeness comes, 
those temporary gifts will go away. And so the whole argument hinges on what's the completeness that Paul is talking about. And so for those who are cessationists, they believe the completeness is when the Bible was finished being written. When the apostles finished writing the New Testament and, and it was just closed off, it was that the Bible is complete now. The revelation of God is complete. We don't need anything else. We have his word. His word is there to teach us and to guide us. And so once that became complete, there was no need for gifts anymore because the Bible has everything we need. And so, again, uh, we would lovingly and respectfully disagree with that interpretation for a few different reasons. Uh, and one of them is just even looking at the gifts. So we're going to go through all these gifts over the next number of weeks. Here are three different lists of spiritual giftings found in the New Testament. The so-called fivefold giftings, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The motivational gifts, as they're sometimes called from Romans 12, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. And then the manifestation gifts, or the sign gifts from 1 Corinthians 12, of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, or discernment of spirits, the gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So these are, not all of them, but these are some of the gifts that the New Testament talks about should be functioning in the church. The question is, are these gifts still around today or not? Now, if you're looking at the list, just a, a sort of common sense reaction is, well, we see a lot of those gifts certainly clearly functioning in the church, right? We have evangelists and pastors and teachers. We have encouragers and people who give. We have leaders and, and people who are merciful. We, have, we see wisdom and knowledge, and, and we see faith at work. And so, you know, there's a lot of those gifts that we say, yeah, absolutely, we see those gifts in action. Of course, uh, they are certainly happening. And so what tends to happen from cessationists, and I've, I've dug into what they're teaching a lot because I'm really trying to understand what they're, where they're kind of coming from, even in disagreement. But... What ends up happening, this is my take on it, this isn't what they would say, is it ends up being, well, of course we still have evangelists. Of course we still have teachers. Of course we still have encouraging people. Of course there is still wisdom. Of course we still have faith. But we're going to, we don't like the weird ones. Right? Tongues is kind of weird. In prophecy, we don't want anyone calling themselves a prophet. And, and miracles, like, yeah, you can debate if something's a miracle. Like, it ends up looking that way just because we all have eyeballs and we see these gifts functioning. And even if we're not sure about apostle or maybe a prophecy, uh, that's why we're doing this series. But most of the gifts certainly undeniably are still functioning. And so it ends up being a bit of a picking and choosing of which gifts we decide are going to be in place or not if you're a cessationist. It's not usually even consistent list by list. Like you can't even wipe out a whole list because we see the gifts in operation. And so with that, there's a bit of a philosophical thought of you look at these gifts and say, well, do we need pastors still? Do we need teachers still? Do we need encouragers? Do we need merciful people? Do we need leaders? Oh, of course we do. Of course the church needs those gifts. We see the benefit of those gifts in action. And so philosophically, we would say, why would God have these spiritual gifts that glorify his name, that spread the gospel, and that build up brothers and sisters in the Lord? And why would God say, I'm going to pour out these amazing gifts on earth for like 50 years, and then I'm going to take them all away, and the church will be fine without them? 
So it doesn't make a ton of sense. And so there's the, that kind of philosophical argument. There's a common sense argument of we see these gifts functioning. And again, maybe there's a couple on there that we don't see as much, but these gifts are in operation. And there's, there's something that I just kind of noticed as I was looking at cessationist teaching this week where no one quite seems to see the irony of a preacher and a teacher standing up with the Bible and saying, these gifts are not around anymore, they've passed away, and I'm going to use my teaching gift to explain to you why that is. And so when we look back at that passage that they, the cessationists really lean on, where there are prophecies, they will cease, where there are tongues, they will be stilled, where there's knowledge, it will pass away, the gifts will come to an end. But even the, the view that, well, if prophecies are gone and, and tongues are gone, but, I mean, knowledge is still around, right? Do we need knowledge? Does Scripture not command us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? So it's not even consistent to the same passage that they're looking at. And so that word completeness in there, when the completeness comes, the gifts will pass away. Cessationists would say that's the Bible, and the Bible has everything we need, so we don't need gifts anymore. We would agree and say, hey, the Bible is there. That's all the revelation we need. But it's not just about the Bible. It's about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to give us gifts. And so people who believe in the gifts will look at the last part of the passage. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And that is relational language, right? Face to face is something you do with a person. Uh, to be known and to be fully known, that's something you do with a person. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense that that's talking about the Bible, as much as we revere the Bible. And the Bible is there to bring us the revelation of God. It's the written picture of who he is. But as we look at that, those last few words, uh, we will see face to face in that day of completeness. We will be known fully, and, and we will know fully in that day of completeness. And so for people who believe in the gifts, we go, that sounds a lot more. That day of completeness, it sounds a lot more like when we see Jesus. When, we, when he returns, or when we go to heaven to be with him, that's the completeness. And we, we know, again, just experientially, we have the Bible. We're not complete yet. We're still broken, and we're still sinners. We're still struggling along. But completeness will come when we see Jesus face to face. As we see him face to face, as we know fully, we're not going to need the gifts anymore in that day. Right? You're not going to need a teaching pastor in heaven. Jesus is going to be right there to tell you everything you need to know. You're not going to need encouragement in heaven because we're going to be face to face with him in the place where there is no sin or discouragement or despair. We're not going to need leaders because he'll be our leaders. And so we say, yes, the gifts are not going to be eternal, but the completeness is when we get to heaven or when Jesus returns. We won't need those gifts anymore. And so, again, I know we wanted to dig into that. Sorry if that was a little bit dense, but uh, we do have a number in our church who have come from different backgrounds, and so we just wanted to take a few minutes to explain the why. Just in case any of you are cessationists, that's okay. You're probably going to hate this series, but this is where we're going to be going, and we wanted to explain the why theologically of why we believe that uh, these gifts are still for today. So, Paul writes there's different kinds of gifts. This is good news. This is a good thing. The gifts are not all the same. If everyone in this room was gifted as a leader, it would be an obnoxious group of people, because everyone would be trying to take charge, and no one would be following. If everyone was a teacher, then everyone would just want to talk about the Bible all day, and no one would actually go out and do any evangelizing or any serving. And so we are different kinds of gifts. They are not all the same, and Paul, in the same chapter of Scripture, uses this metaphor of it's like the human body. 
The church is like a human body. And just as in the human body, there are different parts, there are different organs, there are different appendages, there are different things at work that aren't the same, uh, the church is to function in that same way. Lots of different members of people. Everybody brings something else to the table, and everything is needed that is brought to the table. And so just as you lean on uh, Marissa and John's worship gift on a Sunday morning, as you lean on whoever's teaching and their teaching gift on a Sunday morning, we need to lean on your gifts as well. You have something to bring to the table that's important. And this picture of the body that Paul goes into, he says, if one part of the body is struggling or suffering, the whole body suffers, right? If you've got a bad back, that can take over your whole life. Your whole body is aware that something is not working right. And so we all have been gifted by God to do something, and we want every body part in this church family functioning in the way that God has created you and wired you to function. Everybody has a part to play. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It is active. If you think back to when you were growing up in school, uh, because we all grew up in country schoolhouses with bells in the tower, when you started in kindergarten, you might have had a bit of a sense, but most of us at, at five years old really didn't know who we were going to be in terms of our uh, career or what we were going to be good at in school. Uh, I'm not talking spiritual gifts right now. I'm just talking our natural talents and abilities. We didn't know at five years old if you were going to be really good at sports or really good at music or really good at math and science or really good at, at English or whatever. You just don't know. And so as you go through school, what happens is you try a little bit of everything, right? You take everything, and there are certain things that you begin to excel at, and there are certain things that you realize, oh, I'm just not very good at that. And, and as by the time you get to grade 12, or you get to grade 13, or OAC, depending on how old you are in the room, by the time you get to the end of your high school career, you have a sense enough after a time of testing and trial and error that, oh, I am really good at numbers. I'm going to go be an accountant. I'm really good with kids. I'm going to go be a teacher. I'm really good at mechanical things. I'm going to go work with cars, whatever it was. And it wasn't like a lightning bolt showed up one day or you had an angel show up or a burning bush where God said, you will be a teacher. But your gifts emerged, right? As you tried, as you tested, as you figured stuff out. And we'll come back to that. But I think sometimes when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're waiting for an angelic visitation. And there's actually a simpler way that we can start to step out and check out these things. We all have a gift. We don't have all the gifts. It's a sad day in the life of every Canadian young boy, the day he realizes he's not going to play in the NHL. That's a day that everyone wrestles with. And that day came very young for me because I was a real bad skater and I was scared of the puck. And so I realized that door was shutting in my life. And you can't force a gift where it's not there. But I have just learned that where God has gifted you, he also gives you a heart to do whatever it is that he's called you to do. It's not just about a task to be completed. It's about gaining his heart and being willing to walk that out. And so as Paul continues in his passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6 says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. There is no ranking of gifts. There is no gift that is presented as better than the others. Paul tells us actually the exact opposite, that every part of the body has a purpose. And while some might be more visible and active, our hands do a lot. You don't see a lot of what's going on with your pancreas right now. But if your pancreas isn't working, that's a problem for the whole body. 
And so some gifts may be more visible. No gift is more important than any other. And in our uh, sort of North American church culture, we tend to rank leaders, teachers, and worshipers at the top. Uh, they tend to get the most attention. They tend to become rich in certain contexts. But that's a, really an unbiblical thing to do. Every gift is crucial. And Paul says, actually, some of the gifts that aren't seen are actually kind of the most important, even though they're not out on display in the same way. Uh, not more important in terms of prestige, but just the function that they bring to the body. And so we're understanding that you have been, Scripture says, fearfully and wonderfully made. He has knit you together in your mother's womb, and he has placed a gifting in your life. There is a calling on your life. And scripture says the gifting and calling of God are irrevocable. The gifting and calling that he's put on your life, that doesn't change. And that's not to say there's maybe not different seasons of it or, or different expressions of it. But the gifting and calling that he has given you, that's yours. And we can run from that calling like Jonah did. We can try and hide that calling under a bushel and pretend that it's not there. But whatever gift he's given you, he's really given that to you. Whatever he has called you to do, however he has called you to live out your spiritual gifts, that is on your life. And it was placed there by the God who knows all things. And you'll find as we begin to learn to walk in these gifts, again, that that is a place where we meet with God. That's a place that we feel close to him. You have an anointing from the Holy One. In the Old Testament, when uh, a king was coming forward to be crowned king, or a new priest was coming into the priesthood, and sometimes when a prophet was about to start their ministry, they were anointed with oil. They took a great big horn and filled it with oil, and it wasn't like we have anointing oil at the altar, and it's just like a boop, like a little dab on the forehead. This was more like Gatorade at the Super Bowl, like just like you got soaked, and it poured all over you. And it was a time of prayer and consecration. But the oil came. It's just a symbol. But this is a symbol of the favor and blessing and calling and equipping and anointing of God coming upon you to be the king or to be the, the prophet or to be the priest or whatever. It was a symbol. You just got covered. And it says this is the Holy Spirit pouring over you symbolically and equipping you, anointing you. You are covered and anointed with the Spirit in order to live out this task. And so Pentecostals, Charismatics talk about the anointing a lot, the anointing of the Spirit. The Spirit comes to anoint us. Isaiah wrote, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. And it's just another way of saying he has equipped, uh, he is moving through, he is working with me and in me and through me. And, and there's gifts where, you know, you can be an amazing musician and be an atheist, right? Like, you don't have to be a Christian to be an amazing musician. You can have that gift. But that person is not an anointed musician. And when musicians give their gifts to the Lord and the Holy Spirit starts moving, that's when the musicians are able to help us enter into the presence of God. Right? That's when God draws near to us, when the anointing starts to move. The Holy Spirit starts to move through the musicians. You can be a great teacher and not be a Christian, but you're not going to transform people by the Spirit into the image of Jesus more and, and renew their minds and touch their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit working. That's the anointing working through a gift. And so you have an anointing from the Holy One. There is a way that the Holy Spirit wants to move in you and through you in your life. And because of this, Paul says a couple chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And we're going to take a week just to talk about the gift of prophecy. But eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire them. Sometimes we don't see them because we're not eagerly desiring them. We're not even thinking about them. Paul is saying this is important. It's important to be hungry 
for the things of God, to not ever feel like, well, I'm kind of, I've plateaued, or I've got this figured out, or I know I serve in a couple of ministries, and that's my thing, and so I don't need, it's like, no, it's, it's a pursuit. It's, I'm going to run after God and everything he has for me. And I said at the beginning, even if you know a sense of your gifts, that doesn't mean that that's it for you. My father tapped into a teaching gift well after midlife. He'd walked with Jesus for decades. And later on in life, he just discovered a love and a passion for teaching God's word. God was moving through him in that way, and he leads life groups now. And uh, That wasn't something he, he walked in for a long time. And so whatever gifts you think you have, that doesn't mean there's not more for you. And Paul says, eagerly desire those things. And so as we go through the gifts, our prayer is that there's going to be a couple at least where you go, huh, that one sounds interesting, or that sounds like that might be me, actually. And we can take some time to dig into that stuff. Paul wraps up today's passage by saying, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The gift is not there for you alone. It's not there for you to have fun with God alone, although it is that. It's certainly not there for you to get a big head about whatever. The gift is there for the common good. The gift is there to serve. It is there to be a blessing to other people. And just as you need other people's gifts to pour into your life, we need your gift to pour into our lives. We all need to be serving one another with our gifts in our kingdom that we live in, the kingdom of God. The king washes feet. It is a life of service to one another. The king does not just sit on a throne and say, hey, everybody, come wait on me when Jesus lived on the earth. The exact opposite. Jesus got down on his hands and knees. He got his hands dirty. And so we are called to serve one another. And in the picture of the body of Christ, if a body part isn't working, the whole body gets affected by that. If I'm down and out with a broken leg, it affects every other part of my body, even if every other part of my body is functioning healthy on its own. And so if this is our church family, and if we attend here at Meadowbrook, we want all the gifts firing. Whatever you have in your life, we want it firing. We want to see how God is using you and how the Spirit is moving through you, how the anointing that you have, and, and maybe we're just learning what that is over the next few months for the first time. But there's an anointing on your life that the body needs, and that Leamington needs, and that your family needs. And as we walk in the anointing, the Spirit is working in us and through us. Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter 4.10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So you have a gift. You've got a gift that God has given you, and it is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve even, maybe. There's a gift that God has given, and it's there to serve others. And we are to be faithful stewards of whatever it is God has given us. And so it's an amazing privilege to be able to say, wow, like God is actually working in me and working through me as I serve or as I encourage or as I am merciful or as I'm giving or, or as I'm prophesying. The Holy Spirit has actually said, I want to do this with you and through you. The Spirit wants to move in your life in this way. And it's this incredible, amazing blessing and privilege. It is also a duty at the same time. It's not something where we go, well, I'll do it if I feel like it or I don't. No, to be faithful stewards of God's grace is to say, I have a light and I need to let that light shine, however that looks. Very practically, just as we get ready to wrap up, uh, how do we get started on this? The first step is just to start to learn about these things. And this series is a good start. But if you want to know more about prophecy, or if you want to know more about healing, or if you want to know more about whatever, go to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Read some books, right? Find some teachers that, that you know of or trust. We can make some recommendations. But it just starts with learning. We can't grow in our giftings if we don't understand our giftings. So we just start with learning. We want to do some observing as well. 
If you want to grow in the prophetic gift, find some prophetic people uh, and just begin to see how they do it. I learned that when I was starting to stir up a teaching, uh, get a, a teaching gift stirred up in me, uh, I was just gobbling up teaching on, on YouTube and on bo from books and CDs and everything because uh, I was just so curious about this gift and how it worked. And so we want to see other people who walk in the gift and see what we can learn from them uh, to see if that sounds like us. And then we just want to try some stuff. Again, our natural gifts in school growing up, it didn't come with a lightning bolt revelation. Typically, it came through trial and error to some extent. And so we can't just sit around and say, well, one day God's just going to show up and tell me. Let's start stepping out in faith and trying some stuff. And we'll do some of that in the booklets and in the life groups this fall to be able to say, hey, maybe I have a teaching gift. I'm going to try it. Oh, wow, I don't have that gift at all. But hey, I'm going to try a serving. Oh, here, I feel stirred up over here. I feel close to God doing this. Trial and error is a really easy way to start to figure this out. Where there is grace in your life will become very clear. And where there is not grace in your life, there, that will be very clear as well. And then as we do that, as we're doing all of this, we just want to reflect on all of it and talk to people that we trust. Talk to your pastors, if you like, certainly. Um, it's a good question to ask other people, where do you see a gift in my life? Right? Do you see of those lists? Is there anything there you see operating in my life that maybe I don't notice? And so that's—we'll come back into this as we go through the series, but that's just a good way to get started. As well, in the booklets, we have put a spiritual gift assessment. Uh, you can find these online as well, and they're just—they ask a bunch of questions. Uh, you answer the questions, and then it helps show you—it's uh, just a good starting point. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not, a, again, a prophecy from heaven saying you are called to do this, but it's just a good way to get the ball rolling if you don't have any idea. So there's a spiritual gift assessment for the, the Romans 12 gifts in the back. There's other ones online if you want to explore different things. And if you're not sure at all where you're at, this would be a great place to get started. All right, come on up, worship team. We'll finish up with our song uh, as we get ready to go. If you have any questions about the message today, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. Uh, be happy to chat more about this. I know we just threw a lot of information at you. And as Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in Matthew 7:11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And sometimes people struggle with, I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know if I deserve a gift. I don't know, you know, I got sin in my life. I've got struggles. And, and that's really not the criteria. Because Jesus is saying, hey, we're all sinners, all of us who are human beings. We have our sin. We have our struggle. We're broken. But good parents, even though we're sinners, love giving gifts to their kids, right? Christmas morning is awesome if you're a good parent to be able to share in that. And in our house, we like giving our kids gifts that we can participate in. They get a board game every Christmas. It's something we can do together as a family. And when God gives these gifts, that's his heartbeat as well. I'm going to give you a teaching gift, a prophetic gift, a serving gift, and then his spirit's going to move in you as you use it. God is saying, the gifting that I've given you, we're going to do that together. Together my work in you and through you, and we're going to draw close together as we do that. It's a meeting place with God. So our heartbeat as pastors is we really want to help you find us this fall. And so today was just a bit of a kickoff, but as we go through and talk about the gifts, we're going to be praying that God's going to grab your attention on certain ones and certain ways that you're wired. There'll be certain ones that connect with your spirit, uh, and we'll look at some ways that we can practically start to live this out. We're going to close in worship now, and then we'll pray and dismiss. But as we do, would you stand to your feet, please? The words will be on the screen. We encourage you to join in with us.
this morning as we talked about spiritual gifts and this idea of trying to figure that out in your life and perhaps on the way home today in the car you could talk about this with somebody in the vehicle with you your family and ask maybe what do you see in me what do you think god's doing in my life how do you think he's wired me to be and have that conversation as you dialogue with other people maybe even have a conversation with your kids it's a great conversation to have with your kids about spiritual gifts and another great way to engage in this as we figure this out together is to receive prayer and we've got a prayer team that's available after service. I'll be up here in front. And if you want to receive prayer just about what's going on in your life or just asking the Holy Spirit to show you as you lean into the gifts and the abilities he's given you, we encourage you to come forward. And as people come forward to get prayer, we want you to visit and connect. But we'd ask you to do that in the foyer or just down the hallway so we can create a place of uh, ministry and encouragement as well. And on that note, if you've come here today and somebody is new to you, they look new to you, I encourage you to go say hi, introduce yourself. It's a great way to connect. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the gifts you've given us. Thank you for the gift of life today and for the gift of salvation that comes in you, Lord Jesus. And I pray as we go into our week, as we go home and have different activities going on, continue to remind us and show us how you wired us to be, to, to use those gifts to further your kingdom. And for those who are trying to figure this out, give them godly wisdom, Lord, just insight through the Holy Spirit. They'd understand how they've been wired by you and open those right doors for them to serve in their gifts. Uh, Lord, thank you for the freedom we have to meet together like this. And as we enter the week, whatever's ahead, guide us in all things. Give us strength, peace, and hope in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday, Meadowbrook.